You're listening to the Healthcare Goes Digital podcast. Get ready to be inspired as we explore provocative topics surrounding innovative technologies and ideas with top industry professionals, digital entrepreneurs, and provocateurs. At Impetus Digital, we believe that everything starts with a conversation. We aspire to act as the bridge to not only ignite these courageous conversations, but to also sustain them over time. We do this through our Insight platform, which features our award-winning Insight events and Insight Touchpoint solutions, and through these fireside chats. In the end, our hope is to collectively and positively disrupt healthcare. Let's get started with your host, Natalie Eden. CEO and co-founder of Impetus Digital, an all-in-one, fully-serviced virtual collaboration and communication solution for online meetings, events, conferences, and advisory boards for life science companies. Hi, everyone. My name is Natalie Yeadon. I'm the CEO and co-founder with Impetus Digital. At Impetus Digital, we have built some of the best-in-class asynchronous and synchronous virtual collaboration and communication tools. We have worked with pharmaceutical companies from across the globe over the past 14 years to help them virtualize everything from internal strategic brand planning meetings to medical education programs to advisory boards and everything in between. Um, What's really important is that we actually help pharma companies with their physicians, payers, allied healthcare providers, patients get together asynchronously and synchronously through a series of touch points throughout the year so they can help navigate patient programs, strategic ideas around market access, what they're doing about their clinical trials, as well as their medical and marketing initiatives. All this being done through our virtual collaboration platform. But more importantly at Impetus, we really believe that everything starts with a conversation. And from these big, hairy, audacious conversations with some of the leading edge thinkers, digital provocateurs, and healthcare thought leaders, we can all work together to collectively and positively disrupt healthcare. So I'm really happy to having one of these healthcare thought leaders at the table with me today. This is Marius Roos. He's actually a finance and strategy expert who turned uh, became a healthcare entrepreneur. He started his career in banking and business line management before going to do his MBA program at Berkeley in 2011. Shortly after that, he caught the entrepreneurship bug and he, be, and he began his first startup. Um, and at that time, he didn't manage the raise the fundraising um, at the time and, uh, and was not able to move pro- uh, past the proof of concept. Instead, he actually decided to move on to consulting as well as to investing. So in 2016, uh, Marios, he once again got bitten by the startup bug, and uh, he was working as a strategy manager for a large software development company in Romania, where he was in charge of their portfolio, as well as their internal incubated initiatives. He was trying to spin them out, basically. So in 2017, he finally decided to launch his second startup. This was focusing on wearables applied specifically to mental health and wellness, And all this while he was also advising and consulting startups in fintech, digital health, as well as e-commerce. Welcome, Marios. So happy to have you on the show. Hi, Natalie. I'm I'm very happy to be here. Absolutely. So quite a whirlwind of things that you have done in your career, really interesting things. Um, So I was wondering if maybe we could start off the conversation with you just giving us a little bit of a recap of your career trajectory. Sure. Sure, absolutely. So 
uh, as you mentioned, I started, I actually started out in banking and I spent the first uh, uh, seven-ish uh, years uh, uh, basically growing towards, uh, uh, towards management position, even though it was quite fast. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I reached the, the highest point. I, I was leading a, a, a unit doing uh, mortgage lending. Uh, and it was just before the, the financial crisis from, uh, uh, from 2007, 2009. It actually reached Europe a little later than uh, than US. But by the time it reached, it was pretty clear that uh, banking is going nowhere. Uh, so I decided to, uh, to, to uh, going nowhere for a, for, a, for a time, not forever. <laughs> uh, I decided to, uh, to take some time and, uh, and continue my education. And I, uh, I started looking at, uh, at MBA programs. Uh, I went to Berkeley for a couple of years. And uh, uh, as, you man- as you said, that, that's where I got bitten by, uh, by the entrepreneurship bug. So uh, immediately after graduation, um, I started together with several of, uh, of my colleagues, um, our first startup. Uh, we got through an accelerator, we created our, our MVP, but we, we couldn't raise funding at, at that point, so uh, it kind of died out. Uh, and I got back to uh, initially to consulting and then to, uh, to investments. I, I worked with, uh, with a couple of, uh, of big names in, in consulting. I worked with Kearney, I worked with, uh, with BCG. And then, as I said, I, I was at, um, I don't know, an investment associate and afterwards an investment director in, uh, in a couple of small uh, uh, investment uh, shops in, uh, in growth equity and in turnaround and distress. And I think that the part in turnaround and distress was my second uh, uh, my second turning point because I realized that while I really enjoy the investment process, I'm not a big fan of that end of the of the spectrum where the the companies are about to die and you either uh, I don't know, try to save them by being extremely aggressive or even cut them up and uh, and sell them in in pieces. So. While I was doing only, I don't know, investment monitoring and negotiating uh, deals and whatnot, everything was very interesting, very exciting. But uh, when I had my first end-to-end deal and I was really uh, deep into the, I don't know, into the operational side and into, uh, I don't know, firing people and deciding what, what units we should close and stuff like that, then I said, okay, that's definitely not, uh, not for me and I like building up companies better and initially i was uh, i was doing it for uh, for those guys in uh, uh, that um, uh, software development company uh, and then i said well i should i should do it uh, for myself and i know choosing healthcare and choosing medical devices and hardware and healthcare kind of come again a little bit by uh, by accident uh, because it was uh, it was a direction in which my my co-founder and and wife was uh, was moving also uh, she's a phd in economics she teaches uh, investments at the, at the local university but she also she was with me in the us and uh, she volunteered with uh, with some schools there uh, and she actually ended up working with uh, with children with special education needs and that 
opened a second career for her. She went to the Faculty of Psychology. She got a master's in, in child development and, uh, and counseling afterwards. And she continued to work with, uh, uh, with children that are specifically with ADHD and, uh, and autism. Um, and at one point, um, I was already advising startups on go-to-market and strategy, uh, and she was finishing up her, uh, her thesis for, uh, for the master's degree and also working with, uh, with some children, uh, most poor bono, because it was before, the, uh, before the, the thesis. And we realized that we could put this together and realize that there is uh, it was obvious, it was straight in our faces, the, the fact that there's a, there's a need there that's not covered. Uh, and I don't know, we looked a little bit at it and we decided that maybe it can be transformed into a business so we could also both, uh, I don't know, bring help and to, to these children and also create a, a self-sustaining business. Yeah, uh, Maria said that what a wonderful confluence of things that brought you to where you are. That's really, really interesting. Because, you know, that was going to be my next question is, you know, mental health is a big issue these days. So the fact that you were already on that earlier on is really interesting, but I can see how that all, all those confounding factors, you know, brought you to where you are. So you started a company called Tully or, or the wearable no, device is Tully. The, the company is called Stressless. The wearable yeah. is, uh, is Tully. Yes. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what it was like getting that started and tell us a little bit about what the company is and does. Yeah, absolutely. So it was it was quite uh, quite long to get it started. So we actually started looking at it, I don't know, around four years ago. I, maybe the first six months were just uh, doing research, thinking about whether or not there is a market, uh, how would we put it into, into operations. And then the next and the biggest challenge that we had initially was finding people to, to build it because uh, I'm coming from the strategy and finance uh, area. Uh, Adina is coming also from, uh, from the academia and from, from psychology. So we knew what we wanted to, to do. We knew how to, how to use it and how to, uh, how to I don't know, help people, help children with that. But we needed still somebody to, uh, to, to build it for us. So uh, it took us more than a year to find the right team in the in the uh, as co-founders uh but the right technical team we we have two co-founders that uh, are specialized in um in hardware prototyping and in embedded software development uh, but it was uh, it was long because it's very niche at least uh, uh from uh, i don't know within the uh, within central and eastern europe where you're looking at uh, at software development, there's a lot of people. When you're looking at hardware, it's not so many. And especially when you're looking at somebody that has the, the experience and the, um, I don't know, and the, uh, let's say, uh, resilience to do it as a startup, because there's a difference between, and I've seen it in, I don't know, on both uh, uh, in the in San Francisco and in uh, uh, in Romania, there's a huge difference about how you create a, a startup. So uh, when you're looking at uh, uh, at the Bay Area, the on one hand the the culture is set in such a way that most everybody is doing a second or even a third project besides whatever they are doing. 
it's not so uh, so uh, spread out uh, in I don't know in Eastern Europe. Uh, also, you have a lot of people that are able to to do it uh, uh, to to rely on uh, uh, on savings uh, to to start and, and focus for several months on on developing something and and see what uh, where that gets them. Which again, the the savings part is not necessarily uh, at at best in uh, here, and also. Uh, funding is much easier uh, on the west coast of, of the US, uh, not only on the west coast, but it's definitely much easier than, uh, than here. Uh, for us, it took longer because uh, for the first couple of years, we were bootstrapped, completely bootstrapped, but we all, all had to, uh, to also do uh, also work uh, I don't know, for a living. So it was only a part-time involvement and we were doing it as, uh, as it go and also I don't know hardware is uh, is hard and it's expensive, so uh, it took us uh, a lot of uh, experimentation to do it. We started out that uh, as uh, with the idea that we can do it, uh, we can do only the software part. So we were thinking we're gonna use some kind of off-the-shelf uh, wearable uh, to uh, I don't know to work with it, but we couldn't find anything that uh, that was suitable and. To come back to the second part of uh, of your question of, of what we're actually doing, uh, so we are focusing on uh, emotion management and emotion recognition. So you have a huge uh, um, area of uh, sensory integration disorders. So ADHD and children is only one niche out of it, where uh, the people that are uh, I don't know uh, uh, that are having that type of, of condition. Uh, do need a little bit of help managing the day-to-day -day stress because uh, the, their reaction to stress are sometimes uh, maybe too, uh, too obvious or too immediate uh, and they might want to, uh, to, to get things a little bit under control. And it's not only for, for mental health. It's, this is something that applies to, to everybody. There are a lot of people that want to have more control on their emotions, on their emotional reactions than they actually have because they feel that they are a little bit too, uh, too reactive to, to whatever they, uh, they need to do. So what we are doing is that our wearable tracks a, a wide range of, uh, of physiological indicators. And we are using this to forecast these high intensity emotional reactions. So, and uh, when we're doing something, when, uh, when Thule does something like that and, and tracks and I don't know, forecast uh, an, an oncoming uh, emotional flare, it alerts the wearer and the wearer goes through whatever uh, type of coping mechanism or, or, uh, 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 or calming exercise they already know how to do. Because whenever you're talking about uh, high intensity of, of, I don't know, emotional management, uh, you are, or regulation, you are doing, you are looking at two things. One is, what you can do, what you have to do to, to calm yourself down. And the other is when to apply that, uh, that uh, method. And the first part is usually quite easy. I mean, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of exercises on I don't know, respiration, um, movement, uh, even some kind of uh, almost meditation type of, uh, type of exercises that can help you calm yourself and, and bring everything under control. The big problem is recognizing when you, when you need to do that. And Tuli does exactly that. So basically works as an external observer and 
alerts whoever's wearing it that yeah you you might need to you might want to uh, to calm down because uh, I don't know you're getting heated. Uh, right, so right. that's that's yeah. so that's actually very interesting. So so just expanding on what Thule does. So basically, it, so tell us a little bit. Is it a wristwatch or is it where does it go on the body? What does this, it exactly do? Does it tap <coughs> the person? Does it give it an electric pulse? What is it reading? And after somebody has the and how does it tell the person yeah. that they're having an about an emotional response and what do they specifically do after they're 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 notified? Yeah. So at this moment, uh, so the first version, it's a uh, uh, it's a wearable. It's a bracelet, so it goes on the wrist. Uh, it looks. It's it's very uh, discreet. So we we built it so that it doesn't uh, uh, I don't know jump off the of the wrist and somebody might detect it because, as I said, our first niche it's ADHD and not only ADHD is. Uh, children and teenagers that are uh, that are affected by hyperkinetic disorders. So the planet, the the use case is within school uh, environments. So they don't want to be uh, to I don't know to to come up and and be observable about I don't know wearing something that's medical uh, use. So it it looks very close to a, a regular. I don't know fitness uh, uh, wearable. Uh, it has no screen, so it's just a I don't know a black or a colored uh, wearable on the wrist. Uh, it tracks uh, a wide range, as I said, it tracks a wide range of uh, of indicators. So it it tracks the regular ones, I don't know heart rate, uh, level of oxygen in the blood, temperature, movement. But it also has two of them that are. Um, uh, needed to to have a, a correct evaluation, and these are the ones that were needed to, that made us create our own wearable. It we're talking. I'm talking about the heart rate variability, which started to appear now in the in some of the the wearables. I think that the uh, the latest uh, Apple Watch has it, and some of the Samsungs have it, but not all of them. And also the galvanic skin response, basically the the skin conductivity, which at this moment is not available on any kind of commercial uh, wearable. So it is used in some uh, medical grade uh, devices, but they are extremely expensive and very bulky and you cannot really uh, use them in, in a day-to-day -day, uh, type of setting. Uh, so it tracks all of this, it integrates them. Uh, and, and I said, it kind of estimates the probability of a very high intensity emotional response. Uh, we are using a, a machine learning algorithm. So it takes some, something between a couple of days to a week until uh, Thule learns you well enough to be able to say, this is your calm area. This is your normal reaction area. So I am alerting you when things are going, are, are looking that are going outside the normal, uh, normal reaction so that you can know about it. Uh, initially, it's uh, it's gonna have uh, maybe a little a, a lot of false positives. So we are, we integrated a um, a method for the user to tell the the device no that wasn't an alert I'm okay. Uh, and uh, once once this alert is uh, is given, so the interaction with the user is uh, is in uh, in two ways. Uh, the main one is through a uh, uh, a haptic vibration, so the device vibrates on on the wrist. Nobody can uh, can see or hear it, so it, it's completely discreet. Uh, we also have a system of communication with uh, with lights, with an LED, uh, which can be turned off, and uh, it can be also uh, customized. So you can 
as a user, you can decide that you want to, I don't know, you want to to tell you that you're agitated by moving from, I don't know, a, black, uh, a blue to a, uh, to a yellow type of light, or you want a standard, I don't know, red and green, or you want a full, uh, a full set of, uh, of lights, a full spectrum that would also indicate the intensity of, uh, of I don't know, your, uh, your feelings, because the vibration is discrete, nobody will see it, but in the same time, the li it's limited in the amount of information that it can provide you as what, what's happening with you. Uh, yeah. Okay, so um, so that's actually really interesting, and it, you know, comes in the bracelet. And it gives you kind of gives you a little bit of a vibration. So I was just curious, what about the data? You're saying there's some machine uh, algorithm. Is this actually connected to a phone? Is it edge computing? Is it collected in a big data lake somewhere? Um, yes. And what do you actually do with this information? And not only that, but is there some interoperability so that other people, including caregivers, can also assess yes. what's happening? Yes, absolutely. So basically, the data is. Uh, is available to uh, to the user. So because we are a European company, we have to be very strict about the GDPR. So uh, users can even go up, go in and, and delete their own data. Of course, if they do that, the uh, the accuracy of the device will uh, will drop instantly. Uh, but what it does, we do collect all the data, we interpret it, and it is available to uh, to the user through our platform. Uh, it's not yet, we haven't yet launched uh, um, the app. We are also planning to, to do that too, but we also only have a, a desktop-based uh, platform. And yes, they can also uh, give permission to a care, I mean, the caregiver has access or the person that, uh, that has paid for it has access to that, but they also can give permission to, to a medical professional. So uh, the platform has a, uh, has a built-in way in which they can either send an invite to a medical professional or they can pick that uh, medical professional off, uh, off the existing list if they are already in the system. And they, this medical professional will have access uh, to, uh, to the full data, to the, very, the, to the complete uh, view on, uh, on the way uh, that person has, uh, has um, I don't know, uh, has Okay. The, the feelings and the behavior of, of that person. And from our point of view, I, we think that that's actually even more valuable than the immediate uh, help that, uh, or the immediate uh, uh, notifications that, uh, that the users are getting because you get an objective way of evaluating whether or not, if you're talking about somebody that's under therapy, you get an objective uh, evaluation of that therapy. You can actually okay. look at it and see how it was three months Fantastic. ago. Awesome. So I, I was just curious as well too, is what, what are you planning to do with this? Is this going to become a software as a medical device? Is there clinical trials? Certainly, I think there's some questions. Is this data support that by, a, you know, by notifying somebody that they're going to be, you know, getting a response, does it actually change the response? If not, are you doing clinical trials to support this? What is the plan of action? So uh, technically by notifying that, you're not getting the, uh, the response. You're actually doing the first step in, in an intervention because everything that we're doing with, uh, with Tuli is basically being done if, uh, if that child, for instance, is lucky enough to have uh, a specialized counselor 
sitting next to them in the in the classroom. So basically, doing this alert is the very first step in uh, in any type of uh, of intervention that is focused on uh, on this area. Uh, what we are doing with it, we are doing two things. One is that we actually launched it already uh, through a, a Kickstarter campaign in. Uh, uh, in August, and uh, we'll be delivering the devices to, to the first buyers in uh, uh, in end of November. Uh, and we are also starting a, a clinical. We did it. We launched it as a as a consumer electronic. Uh, in the same time, we are uh, moving along with uh, with clinical trials. Uh, we are working together with uh, University of Barcelona and Hospital Saint Jean de Deux, also from Barcelona, uh, to put up a, a complete. Uh, clinical investigation to demonstrate that yes, I mean we did of course run uh, small scale uh, testing uh, with uh, I don't know groups of, of people that are group of patients in and uh, and control groups, but they are below the the numbers that I don't know are needed for for a clinical uh, decision to to set it up as a medical device. So the plan is yes to go towards medical device to uh, to to include it in in the reimbursement uh, uh, pathways from uh, from the healthcare insurance and to have it available to everybody that needs it. Because when we when we launched it in Kickstarter, we had even though we I don't know, we had a not a huge success, but we had a, a quite a quite a good result. We uh, we sold about I don't know six hundred devices, but we had a lot of comments uh, about the fact that uh, it would be I don't know better if it were or I don't know more affordable if it were reimbursed from the from the health insurance. Beautiful. Well said. Um, fascinating. Um, sounds really really exciting and very promising. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this either knows somebody who could potentially use this. Uh, so look for that on the Kickstarter um, and for any upcoming launch plans. But if anybody else who's interested in potentially talking to Marios about partnering, strategic partnership, maybe including it as a, as a potential patient reported outcome tool for a clinical trial, please look for his uh, contact details in the show notes below. If you're interested in this conversation, also check out impetusdigital.com. These are the kinds of conversations that we have Again, with physicians, payers, allied healthcare providers, learning and planning for clinical trial protocols, developing interesting tools like this, or partnering with interesting software companies like this for the marketing and the launch or the, um, the management of your product. So please check out that. Please like and subscribe to our channel. We would also appreciate if you can leave us some feedback on iTunes. We want to thank everybody for their time today. And thank you, Marios, for a fantastic conversation. Thank you for listening to this Healthcare Goes Digital podcast. Impetus Digital are the business-to-business -business virtual engagement experts and provide immersive virtual collaboration and communication solutions for advisory boards, medical education meetings, events, conferences, and projects worldwide, all delivered with our award-winning white glove service. Visit us at impetusdigital.com or book a demo at meetwithimpetus.com to find out more and visit us on our LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube channel to see other inspiring conversations for you to share with your network.